Support for today's show comes from Skillshare.com. Now, Skillshare is a site where they have thousands of courses and lots and lots of course instructors to help you not just simply professionally, but personally as well. I know I have a number of my classes there and it's one price per month and it's unlimited access to content. And they give you a seven-day free trial. So you can take all of my classes that way. And if you decide not to renew, okay, you decided not to renew. I'm fine with that. But I'm just simply saying it's a place where you can learn and grow and not have to worry about spending hundreds of dollars for courses like so many instructors make you do. Again, Use the link in the show notes, get a seven-day free trial. It will make a difference in your job search and so much more. And we'll be back in just one moment. Episode 2155 of the number one podcast and Apple podcast for job search. You are listening to No BS Job Search Advice Radio. I'm Jeff Altman, the Day Game Hunter. I'm the host of this show, as I have been since the end of November 2010. Yeah, you heard that right. More than 10 years. More than 2,100 episodes. And today I've got an interview. It's part one of a two-part interview I did with Ben Passman, uh, who's been a consulting recruiter. He's been an agency recruiter. He's worked in recruiting for a long time. And we're going to go inside the mind of a recruiter. And I'll I'll do the joke that many of you will say and see if there's anything there. Hope you find this helpful and give it an honest review wherever you listen to the show. Every review we receive helps our ratings with Apple. I would appreciate it if you left a review for this show. And we'll be back in just one moment. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ben, how are you? Hello, Jeff. I'm doing well. How about you? I feel fat. So my guest today is Ben Passman. And you know how I normally read intros. I decided we'd do something a little bit different. Ben, introduce yourself to everyone, who you are, what you do. Thanks, Jeff. It's a real pleasure to be on the show with you today. Um, I am a staffing professional. Some people might say I'm a headhunter, right? When I'm out on the golf course, people ask me, what do I do? That's usually my answer, although it's really much bigger than that. I've been in the business now for about 15 years. And prior to that, I owned a small business. Um, I've hired and fired a lot of people. And now I find myself in this world of uh, talent workforce management type of stuff. I've been uh, in the staffing agency world. I've worked for corporations. I've worked for consulting companies. So I have a pretty a pretty uh, wide breadth of experience in the staffing business. And of course, I currently host a podcast called A Peek Behind the Curtain, where we try to help people understand the reality of what's going on out there and how they can better position themselves to find a job. I hope you're not out of breath after all of that. I'm not out of breath yet. I can Excellent. keep going. Excellent. 
So let's take a peek behind the curtain about what is it really like at a staffing firm, at a contracting firm, all these joints that drive people so crazy. Yeah, no, it's a, it's nothing like what you expect, right? Really? I, most people spend hours putting their resume together and making it look pretty and doing all of the things that we think are instinctively the right thing to do. You want to stand out, you want it to look nice, you want to present yourself in the right kind of way. And then they upload it into pick a job site or even into a, into a job posting on a corporation's website. Um, and you find yourself that it doesn't populate properly. So you have to sit there and re-enter all of your information, right? And that's because the systems aren't designed to read your resume in pretty formatting. It's designed to read text. And so things like that, right? So typically the first person to see your resume, if you put it out onto a job board, if you update your profile on LinkedIn that says, I'm looking for a job, the first line of of defense, so to speak, the first people that are going to get a hold of your resume and give you a call are likely people that have little to no experience. Maybe they're in their early 20s. Maybe they have a degree in something not even human resources, right? They just, they went out into the world and they became a recruiter, right? Not, not too many people grow up as kids thinking, I'm going to be a firefighter. I'm going to be a policeman. I'm going to be a recruiter. Like that's not a thing, right? Nobody dreams of that. I know that. Right. So nobody really way, understands. Are you speaking about agency recruiter or corporate recruiter? I think there, there depends, right? So large corporations, right? If you go to the Googles and Amazons, they effectively have internal agencies, right? So if you go to a small company and you're looking, you might be dealing directly with the director of human resources or the VP of human resources. In those cases, a little bit different. But if you're looking for a job through a staffing agency, um, whether the agency is large or small, kind of doesn't matter. Most agencies operate the same way, right? They, they gather a bunch of information, they filter through that information, they have a bunch of KPIs around how many calls everybody has to make, and they're trying to fill jobs. And the reality is, is that if an agency is filling about 3% of all the job orders that they have, that's pretty good. So that means 97% of the jobs they're working on, they don't fill right? Somebody else fills them. They get filled some other way. And so if you're putting your resume in front of an agency and they're talking to 250 people a week and they're only going to fill 3% of the jobs that they have open, then you have to set yourself apart differently than just it looks nice on a piece of paper. And it's funny, you know, you spoke about 250 people a week. I remember when I did search, I'd walk in on a Monday morning to 200 emails from people. For I'm sure. astonished that you're talking about talking to 250 people. Oh, yeah. It's, it, there are some agencies. I worked for an agency a long while ago, and they actually had a phone dialer system. So it was like working in a call center, right? When you finished a call, you had a certain amount of time before you had to push the green button again. And the next call came, whether you wanted it or not. And they measured how much time you were on the phone, how much time you were off the phone. We were all measured on all the stuff. And so, yeah, some, some agencies, are they're really pushing volume. And it's not really about building great relationships sometimes, right? Sometimes it's just about, I need to meet my numbers so that I don't get in trouble next week. And so they're talking to candidates that they may or may not even have a job for, right? So if you're a candidate and you're looking for a job and you're having a hard time getting to interview stage or things like that, I, there's probably some things that 
I can help you with. There's probably some things that are not your fault that if you just became aware of how the game was played, then it becomes a little bit easier, right? I mean, imagine walking out onto a baseball diamond and not knowing how to play baseball and someone gives you a glove and a ball and tells you to go on out there and <laughs> go out where, right? So, you know, it's the same thing. The job market is very much like that. What I, I used to tell people, and I just gave up because they didn't want to, you know, job hunters invariably love to argue that they're right and recruiters are wrong. Sure, that's and, fine. And, and we understand that. But, yeah. you know, the thing I always remind people of is you can only handle what's in your control. On their side, they've got jobs to fill. Their job is not to be your friend. Their job is to close deals. And you're not paying them anything for this. So the right. expectation that they are working for you. And my favorite line is, my recruiter said, like, when did they become yours? How did they become yours? Did you give them a retainer? How did you purchase them and purchase their loyalty from them? I don't understand this. Um, and so many people actually operate that way. My recruiter, even if they don't use those words, you know, Joe you know, said this, Ben said that, and they take it as gospel. And it's crazy. Absolutely and, crazy. And recruiters are salespeople. Right. I mean, we might be on the business to consumer side of the sale, but we're still selling. And so when a recruiter is telling you, oh, yeah, I'm going to get feedback or, oh, you know, oh, you're still in the running and this and that, you know, there might just be blowing smoke because they're trying to keep you engaged. Maybe they've got another opportunity that hasn't been approved yet. They're waiting to tell you about it. Right. There's all these kinds of things that are happening behind the scenes that that if you're not aware and if you don't know how to manage your relationship with the recruiter or the recruiting agency, then you're going to miss out on those kinds of opportunities. And one of the things, my favorite, and you mentioned it before, is the scenario, I should hear from them later in the week, early part of next, at the stall. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and what's going to happen means you're not going to hear later from in them. the week and early part of next? Now, how does this work? You're stalling for time. Maybe the client yeah. told them that I uh, got one other person or two other people to talk to, and uh, we'll have a decision later in the week, which invariably slips until the following week. And uh, you know, it's part of the game. It is. It's part of the game. And it's, it's really about knowing the rules, right? And understanding how to play within those rules. If you don't understand the rules, then of course, you're going to have a harder time, right? It's like swimming upstream. But um, you know, and it's not too hard to figure it out. If you if you're working with a recruiter right now, just start asking some probing questions like how many other clients do you work with? What other kinds of requisitions do you work on? Do you pay a referral fee if I know somebody that might be interested in a job? Things like that. And start to understand what's going on in the culture behind the scenes, right? You know, be compassionate about the fact that like, hey, I, I don't want to be overly persistent. You know, be, finding a job is a, it's an emotional thing. I understand you're under a lot of pressure, but, you know, can you just give me 10 minutes, right? And then you got to have good questions to answer in those 10 minutes. And some of those questions might be, you know, listen, I was listening to this podcast and they were talking about 3% as a fill rate, things like that. And start to understand, are they a successful agency? Is your recruiter a successful recruiter? Could the agency be a good agency for you? You just need to find a new recruiter to work with, right? Things like that. There's a lot of different ways to skin the cat. And I think you're right. A lot of people think of their recruiter as like their real estate agent or something, like they have some kind of fiduciary responsibility to you, but they don't, they have a job to do and they're being paid by a corporation that is, 
you know, invested heavily in making sure that they fill as many jobs as they can. And if you're not the right fit, then you're not the right fit. And really nobody has time to call you and tell you why and give you a bunch of feedback and coach you up and tell you all the great things about you and why you just didn't quite make the cut. Nobody has time for that. So you kind of have to cut your cut your emotions out of it and recognize that the people you're dealing with, they're like you said, they're not there to be your friend, although they are, they're there to be your friend in the moment to get you through the process, to help you understand. And then maybe in the future to help walk you through the next time. But at the end of the day, you're probably never going to meet the recruiter face to face. And that's not a COVID issue. That's just the reality. That's issue. just the reality, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I used to work in New York and I was filling jobs in 49 out of 50 states plus Canada. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Nowadays, on... recruiters are virtual. Everybody's virtual. The job can be done over the internet. There's no reason. I know recruiters that live on boats. I know recruiters that work out of RVs. <laughs> I know recruiters like myself that move around the country from season to season if we can uh there's other there's other people out there that are hunkered down in their hometown close to mom and whatever right everybody kind of has their own scenario but the fact is that we're not recruiters as a as a a field of of expertise is no longer a cube farm in an office building right those days those days are behind us i think i hope um so what else don't people understand about recruiters that you can highlight for them yeah, that's a, I'm glad you asked. You know, a lot of people um, feel like they're so emotionally attached to their job because it provides their lifestyle, right? That kind of thing. And if you understand that most recruiters have a very full plate, they have tons of calls, bunches of meetings, lots of managers, and their job is to weed you out, right? Their job is not to weed you in. And so if you can make a recruiter's job easy, then you're going to have a much smoother path through the noise than somebody who is making their life more difficult. And I can tell you every agency has their list of frequent flyers or they call them other things. I, I worked in an office once where we had a donkey list because there are some people who are just donkeys and they believe they belong on the list, you know, and every, every firm has some way of referring to the, the people that kick the can, right? They just kick it over and that's not good. You don't want to be that. And there's also the other mistake that people make and that's just to completely disengage, right? Well, I sent my resume, I had a phone call and that's it. No follow-up, no email, no thank you note, no nothing. And so there's a balance, right? You have to find the right amount of persistence and the right, you have to be providing some kind of value to your recruiter, right? Why you're a great candidate, why you should be presented, right? You can't just sort of post and hope. That's not a good strategy. No, you don't think the idea of posting your resume online and making prayers that someone's going to call you and, Hosanna, I'm getting I mean, it can't off. hurt. It's not going to hurt you to, you know, to do that, but it's not going to help you either. <laughs> you know, I mean, if people want to pray for a job, go for it. I, that's fine by me. But when you're done with that, you should get on the phone and call a recruiter because, you, you have to do the work, right? You have to do the follow-up. You have to get in front of people. That's how, how do you find the good ones? How would you recommend someone really identify someone who can help them? As far as like how should a job identify a good recruiter? Yeah. That's, that's so, that's really one of those soft skill things, right? The, the, I, I worked for a manager a long time ago and he gave me good advice. He said, hire people you like. 
And you can train people for competency, right? You can give them skills, you can teach them language and jargon and stuff. But if you don't like them, right? If you don't have that kind of personal connection, then it's really hard to work together and work through problems and have those kinds of things. Now, finding people that you like doesn't mean finding people just like you, because there's a lot of people that I like that are not like me at all, right? So you're not trying to mimic yourself and, and create a team of drones, right? That's not good. But you want to find people that you have some kind of engagement with, that you connect with at some, some kind of primal level, right? That, and that, I think, is really important. I think recruiters and job seekers should have that same kind of basic foundation. If you're talking to a recruiter and you're just not getting a good feeling, then ask to talk to a different recruiter and don't be rude. Don't be a jerk, right? Just, Hey, you know what? I really appreciate it. I I think I have a certain kind of expertise. I'm not sure that you're the right recruiter for me. I'd like to talk to maybe somebody that's, you know, been in the business a little longer or that focuses on a particular skill or, you know, whatever, that kind of thing. Just find a different recruiter. If that, if you're not finding help there, go to a different agency. There's a lot of agencies, right? So you got to find a recruiter that you really like, that really likes you back and that focuses on your area of expertise. If you're in the world of marketing and you go find a recruiter that specializes in everything except marketing, then that's not going to be very helpful. But so, they're likable. <laughs> right. Like they that. like each other, but they can find you a job in finance, just not in marketing. So that's not helpful, right? So you've got to be smart about who you're making relationships with. And then you've got to cultivate the relationship just like anything else. I remember, you know, the old cliche, we've probably all heard it before. It's easier to find a job when you have a job. And it's because you don't feel all that pressure, right? It's like, wow, I go to work. I'm, I got a job. I'm cool, right? So no issue with no desperation, right? You don't have that sense of like, oh my God, I have to land this job. If I don't land this job, I'm not gonna be able to feed my kids, right? Because I'm gonna go to work. But when you don't have a job, you have to find a way to center yourself so that you sound like the person who has the job, because otherwise the person who has the job is gonna be calm and relaxed and you're probably not gonna get it, right? So those are the kinds of things you gotta sort of, you gotta smooth the path. You gotta make it uh, the path of least resistance for your recruiters and for your for everybody in the process, the hiring managers, the people who are doing the interviewing all the way along the line. And one of the things I'll remind you of folks is there are times that the recruiter's gonna knock on the, the proverbial door. You know, they'll send you a message, they'll wanna talk with you about a job. And this is your moment where if you're not looking for someone, uh, something right now, you can listen. Don't just simply say, I'm happy where I am now. Now, folks, I, I want to remind you, I used to work in recruiting, and I don't do that anymore. So I'm not speaking from vested interest. But let's get practical. Would you be happier if they paid you $20,000 more than you're making now? Probably. If there was a job that might cut your commute in half, might you be a little bit happier if you were doing comparable work for a decent firm making $20,000 more? Probably. If it was in a state where you wound up not paying the same tax rate and it was half the taxes that you're, you might be a little bit happier, right? Listen to what they have to say. Take it with a grain of salt. You know, wait until you get to their client to test it out because they may talk about, we've got this great job. It's phenomenal. Manager's a sweetheart. Everyone loves working there. And then you go onto LinkedIn and you see there have been 20 people who've worked for this person in the last six months. And you suddenly go, mm, okay, they blew smoke at me. I can smell the bull. And, um, you know, even then, I would say take take a phone call from the client, check it out, listen, then make a decision because you don't know as much as you think you do, folks. 
So that's today's show. I hope you found it helpful. And if you did, here are a few things I can do to help you with your job search beyond simply being your coach. First of all, I've got a new book out called The Right Answers to Tough Interview Questions. It is like a cookbook with answers to tons of interview questions that you're going to be asked on interviews. And if you pair it up with my other new book, The Ultimate Job Interview Framework, they are a a terrific pair of books to help you with interviewing. In addition, a new service where you can practice mock interviews. If you go to thebiggamehunter.us forward slash mock, I've got a service there, very inexpensive, like $99, where we have mock interviews set up. I'm going to be adding more to it very soon, but you can record your answers to them and then I can critique them and help you perform better on them. You probably have noticed my show notes are pretty thorough with products and services that can help you with your search and connect with me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash the big game hunter. Lastly, my website has a ton of great information. That's thebiggamehunter.us. Now, if you're not ready to go there and go through the blog, put the address in your phone, thebiggamehunter.us, Jeff Altman. So this way, when you're ready to go, you have a way of getting back to my website. Hope you have a terrific day. And most importantly, be great. Be great.